Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Today's message is entitled Words That Bring Life. Words That Bring Life. And again, we're going back to Eden in order to get this, uh, this story going today. But here's the truth is our challenges with our words originate with our great, 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 and add about 100 more greats, grandparents. Yeah, <laughs> Adam and Eve. So we can sit here and blame them for our issues, isn't that right? We could, but they really wouldn't help us much. But, but I think it's good for us to look back at, uh, at really what happened with Adam and Eve, what happened in Eden, because that's really where the problem with words all began. Uh, but words are like a sword, and and I have my, my sword up here again today. And, and this is, you know, this is a real legitimate sword. This is a sword. It's fun. It's nice and heavy and it feels good. And, and you're not going to get to come play with it after church. But this sword is like our words. It can cause damage, but it can also do good things. You see? So, so as you think about your words, think about a sword. Remember that your words are like a what? A sword. And you don't want to chop people to pieces with your words. You don't want to destroy people with your words. And that's going to fall today. It only fell one time last week, so I don't know how it works. There we go. But, but uh, your words are like this sword right here. And, and I'm asking you to be willing and to, and to understand that whatever, whatever you have in your mouth, it can cause damage, yet it can also bring blessing. I mean, how many of you ever hauled off and said something that you regretted a few minutes after you said it? Come on, let's, let's be honest. You just, you just hauled off and said something. Yeah, I have, I have. I did this past week. Yes. <laughs> right in the middle of my series here on our words, I did it. I hauled off and did it. I wielded my words incorrectly, and I'm going to tell you about it in just a few minutes, okay? You have to just hold on for just a second on that, because... But let's, I want to set it up here because Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus says, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Isn't that right? So whatever's in here is going to come out of here. It starts in our hearts. It starts in, really, it's our soul. It's our mind and whatever's circulating in your emotions and whatever's just flying through your mind constantly, it's going to eventually find a way to come out through your mouth. And if there's life inside, life is going to come out. If there's negativity or pessimism, uh, those things are going to come out as destructive results like an ugly sword. It's going to come out from the inside. Last week I shared with you two different types of progressions that happen so that we can understand how this actually works. Because our words are the problem, but the problem has a source, and that's our hearts. So there's this destructive progression, like when, the, when your words are used in a destructive way, it really starts off with wrong or destructive thought 
patterns. So you're thinking continually. Now we all have wrong or destructive thoughts from time to time. We all do. But I'm talking about a pattern, something that just stays there and it, it just, it, you, you can't get rid of it. And then it moves on to where we begin to curse ourselves with our words. We start talking negative about ourselves. Come on, you know, you know what I'm, I'm talking about. It's, it's you, you will say things or even think things about yourself. And, and I, I've said this before. If you, if you talk to your friends the way you talk to yourself, you would have no friends, you know? And then the next one is, is it moves to the next level is we curse other people with our words. We say things that are destructive. And ultimately what happens is we destroy ourselves and then we destroy our relationships. Keep in mind, Satan has an agenda over your life. It is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And this pattern falls, it happens far too often. And I'm asking you to identify it early so you can capture it and you can deal with it. But I want you to engage in a different progression. My challenge is for you to engage with this life-giving progression. And it starts off like this, right or constructive thought patterns. And that's really what we're going to be emphasizing today. Right thought patterns, constructive thought patterns. And then what happens as a result of those thought patterns, and that means a pattern is you're doing it on a regular basis. It's something that, that's, that's normally done. Then you will begin to bless yourself with your words. You'll begin to speak positive things over your, even over yourself. It's going to go from there to blessing other people with your words. And then you're going to build yourself up and you're going to build up other people. That's the progression I challenge you to take. That is a life-giving progression. These are life-giving words that we need to have come out of, coming out of our mouths. Now, I'd like for you to go ahead and look now in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. We're going to see what was happening with Adam and Eve. Most of you know the story uh, that God had got it. Put Adam and Eve in this huge Garden of Eden, and uh, and a serpent came and tempted Eve, and Eve brought Adam along, and they both took took from this tree, and and sin entered the world. God cast them out of the garden. That's the kind of quick version of Genesis two and three. But let's look at what's here in verse eight. It says, "Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there He put the man He had formed. The Lord God made all." kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, and this wasn't just like a little backyard garden. This was a huge, vast area. I mean, this would have been, I mean, who knows how large Eden actually was, but wildlife was there and garden. I mean, it could have been the size of Tarrant County. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't know. But it was a big place. But in the middle of the garden, were the tree of life, say tree of life, tree of life, get that, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, it's, that name is important. Say that with me. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there are two trees. I've always been mesmerized by the tree of life, first of all. I, I, in fact, a few years ago, I just, I just decided to plunge in and do some deep study on this. And because the tree of life is spoken about in the book of Genesis, it's also spoken about in the book of Revelation and everywhere in between. So the tree of life is something that's around. And, and uh, just identifying what it is and what it really, really means. I, do I believe it was a literal tree? I, I do. I do believe it was a literal tree, but it is symbolic of something else. You see, the tree of life 
from my studies, it is symbolic of Jesus. It's symbolic of the spirit of innocence. It's symbolic of the spirit of God. That's where life comes from. Now, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which I do believe was a literal tree in the garden as well, that they were not to eat from, that is the tree that is, that's the one that brings death. It represents poison. It represents a lack of innocence. It represents destruction, theft, death, destruction. Now keep in mind, God had said, all kinds of trees are in this garden, bam, and they are good for you to eat. But what they did is they kept looking at that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and eventually, uh, even though God had given them this command, you can eat from any tree, any tree except one, they made a choice. So Adam and Eve made a choice between the two trees. And this is a choice that we find ourselves making constantly. What was happening then still happens now. They made a choice. And they made a choice that brought death. They chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The temptation was this. Temptation was simple. You get to be more like God. And if you know what's good, if you know what's evil, if you have that kind of knowledge, that's the kind of knowledge God has. Now, what's happened is we therefore have inherited this ability to see good and evil and have knowledge of it, to see it around us and understand it. See, we know when we have committed evil, right? We also know and we can see very clearly when someone else has committed evil. Isn't that correct? Therefore, we have this knowledge of good and evil. Our innocence is gone. In fact, we open our eyes and and we can look around, and especially during this season, like we've even seen so much this year, you can see corruption everywhere. If you're looking for it, you can see it because our eyes are open to it. And you not only see it out there, but you see it in yourself. And those looking at everything through the vision of of seeing everything that's good and evil, that eventually takes you to a place where you become critical. You begin questioning just about everything. You see the flaws in everything. And you judge, you see evil, you know it. You judge the one who commits evil. You even judge and beat down yourself when you commit evil. Now, that's the problem with the knowledge of good and evil. But on the other hand, God is truth. But when, we're all, when all we're doing is looking around and we're seeing evil, because we're drawn to the evil, we're drawn to see the evil. We are. I remember learning about this when I was actually in high school, in a marketing class in high school, and they, they taught us this, is that, is that for every 10 wonderful things your company does, every 10 wonderful things your company does, uh, all it takes is one negative thing to cancel those 10 things out. So we look to the negative. We look to the things that, that we're critical of. And that critical spirit takes over us. And, and because God is truth, then we don't really want to be exposed to the truth because the truth is going to expose what's in us. See, the knowledge of good and evil, it causes us ultimately to hide from God. Innocence is lost. That's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. We begin to resist the truth, and then we speak out against the truth, and we begin questioning the truth. That's the disintegration that happens to the knowledge of good and evil. So the knowledge of good and evil, it looks good, 
It's like, well, this sounds, looks like a good thing, but it's deceptive. It will destroy us and it will make us, my choice of words here, mouthy. <laughs> What's inside will eventually come out of our mouths and it's not going to be good. And it really started in Eden. I mean, Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. I mean, the blame game started immediately because they could see the evil in each other. And this knowledge of good and evil causes these suspicions of one another. You you can't trust people. You can't trust a a company. You can't trust a church. Or you can't trust a, a, a friendship. You can't trust this family. Or you can't trust these people. Because our eyes are opened up to the evil. Our eyes are wide open to it. We see it. And we criticize it. That's where we judge other people's motives. And we, and, and we, we tell people <laughs> what we've judged them based upon what's in our hearts, you know? It's that negative, pessimistic thing. We are, we're constantly seeing the negativity in others. And, quite, and we see it in ourselves, but quite often we ignore it within ourselves. Our words reveal what's in our hearts. And my challenge to you today is to flee from that is to begin to replace that. How do you know if you're leaning into the knowledge of good and evil? You're leaning into that original sin. Well, you're gonna hear words coming out of your mouth that use truth or use an observation to bring shame or to pull someone down or to even bring bring destruction. That's how you know it's operating in you. you can examine, if you really listen to your words, you can examine it. And I fell prey to it this week. Uh, I, I, this, is, this is great therapy. This is really good therapy for me to be a pastor so I can stand up here and just tell you. And, and, and you guys will have the right to discern the evil. And you can say, that's right, he's evil. I'm never going to listen to him again. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So don't go that way. But I, I want to be honest with you. I want to tell you that I messed up this week. I messed up bad with my words. I went to a little store and I was at this store and I was going in there to make a purchase. It was actually a very large purchase. It's something that I've been planning for for about a year now. And I went to this store to make this purchase and, and uh, it was something that I had to have. It's essential. And I, as soon as I walk in, they're saying, okay, sir, you know, don't, even, don't come any further until you have your mask on. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I, I, you know, I, I did, the, did the thing. We, we all know how to do that. We're all doing that, all right? right? There's nothing wrong with face coverings. It's, it's, it's all right. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm checking in and everything. But I, I just have trouble breathing in those things, and my glasses fog up. I, do you guys have a glasses fog up problem? And so my glasses are all fogged up. I can't see. I'm taking them off, putting them back on. So I just pull it down on my nose, and so I would, like, breathe in. Put it back. Breathe out. You know, so that way I'm, I'm inhaling everyone else's COVID, and I'm just letting it. Because I've already had it, okay? I've already had it. I've already had it. I, I, have, I have the antibodies and can't wait to go give some blood so that people can use it to, for vaccines so they can put my blood in you. Yeah, okay. But, but I, was, I was in just, you know, I was doing my best, but I was still keeping it on and it kept fogging up my glasses. So I just pulled it down just a little bit. And, and the, there's, this, there's this lady in the store who's very, just, you know, walking around constantly saying, you put, those, put, put that back on, put it back over your nose, put it back over your nose. So I did, but then she looked like, like and then you put it right back, and, and I, I was breaking the rules. I, I, I was. I broke the rules. 
They also had another rule in the place. They had arrows on the ground that said, in this store, you're only allowed to walk in one direction. You have to follow the arrows. And I said, so, so if I see something here and I see something I want to go back there two feet, I have to walk all around the whole store and come back? They said, yes. Okay, I just said, I'm going to get dizzy. <laughs> it was just kind of fun, having a little bit of fun laughing about it. And, and I was getting to near the end, and I, 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 they were having me fill out my stuff. I was done. I was making my purchase. I was trying to fill it out, and my glasses kept fogging up. I couldn't see the thing I was supposed to sign. And so I took this, took it down the lane, and put your thing back on. I said, I can't see. <laughs> and, and so, so I'm, I'm just trying to be nice. Uh, but at this point, I'm not feeling nice, okay? You guys know what I'm talking about. Don't act so spiritual. I'm not feeling nice at this point. And, and I just said, I said, you're just so your information. I can't give any of you guys COVID and you can't give it to me. So we're all friends. I, I'll hug and kiss every one of you, but they, they, they didn't want that. But, but, but at this point then, the girl who had, who had been attacking me for every little you know, moment, it was over my nose. She came around, she was walking against the arrows. We were supposed to walk counterclockwise in this store, but she was walking clockwise, putting stuff back on the shelves. And I did it. I did it, and I'm not proud of it. I said to her, I said, oh, so why are you walking the wrong direction against the arrows when I can't walk that direction? She says, because I work here, and I get to do whatever I want. And so I said, I love it. Give me an application so I can come work here, and I'll run against the arrows all the time. Yeah, yeah. That was the wrong thing to say. That was the wrong thing to say. I'm very sorry. I did it. It happened. I was wrong. I, yeah, and Rebecca left me, and, that, and so I was alone at that moment. I, uh, I acted on my own, and maybe she felt it was coming. I don't know, but, uh, but I was wrong, okay? I'll admit I was wrong. I got mouthy. Why did I get mouthy? I had to ask myself that. Because really, I want to know why I messed up. I think that's a good question to ask. Why did I mess up? I messed up because I had knowledge. I have knowledge of the rules and I have knowledge of of what was going on. I had knowledge that there was a rule enforcer there who was breaking their own rules. And so I called them out using my knowledge of good and evil. I was calling them out on the evil they were doing of walking the wrong direction. I was, and and I was wrong to do that. Because that doesn't build anyone up. Those are not life-giving words. Do you understand? I made the person, probably made the person feel ashamed. And, and possibly even angry. Is that, is that right? No. No, it's not right. It's not right at all. And I was going in that, I was just, just, my whole brain was going in that opposite direction. Because what was coming out of me was this knowledge, like, there are rules here. You're breaking the rules. I'm going to call you out because I don't like what you're doing. And how many times do we do that kind of stuff in one way or another in our lives? And we isolate ourselves, we pull others down. It all comes from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil because our innocence is lost. Our innocence is lost. Now see, the tree of life is innocence. It's Jesus The way we counteract this is feasting daily on Jesus. And then we become fruit producers instead of fruit inspectors. See, our words then begin to release life and they don't just pick on the flaws of other people or pick on the things that we know that, that just shouldn't be. 
See, when we begin to feast on Jesus, we become trusting instead of suspicious. We don't question motives all the time, and we don't feel like we have to tell everybody what we think. When we feast on Jesus, we become optimistic instead of critical. We actually begin to have words of faith that come out of our lips instead of words of criticisms of other people. See, when we feast on Jesus, the tree of life, we become forgiving instead of judgmental. Isn't that really what we want? You know, we want that from others toward us. But in this world of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's really difficult, especially today. When you feast of the tree of life, you feast on Jesus, you're going to say, I forgive you, instead of beating another person down because of their mistakes and their errors and their shortcomings and their faults. You see, everything changes when we feast on the innocence of Jesus and his beauty and his goodness. I was even thinking back on that day, it's like, what got my day off to a wrong start? And, and truth be told, I, I didn't spend any time in the word that morning. I didn't. And for some reason, I don't know how it works, but when I spend time in the word, it, it helps my mind. It helps me. It is nourishment to me. I fixed it later on in the day. Yeah, I, I jumped in. But but, you know, when we're, when, when we're living in that world of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, even though, even your Bible reading can get messed up because you begin to see all the negatives in the scripture. You see? You begin to see all the negatives or the things you don't like, and you begin to condemn yourself. You begin to condemn others. All you see, there's some people, all they see in the scriptures is condemnation. Why? It's because they're feasting on that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They're not feasting on Jesus you know, even if you're going to church, it can happen like going to church, if you come with the, with the direction and the opinion, with the inner ideas of the knowledge of good and evil, then you're critical. You can't open your heart to the things of God. Uh, see, God, God gives us an opportunity even when we come to church, and it's a beautiful opportunity, and it's called praise and worship. It's what we did here at the beginning. The praise and worship, let me tell you what it's for. It messes, with, it messes up the junk that's in our minds and in our hearts. It helps to push it out. Why? Because there's beautiful music, and we sing, and some of you say, I can't sing. Well, you don't have to sing. Just say the words. Get them out of your mouth. Because start saying, God, I love you. God, I need you. God, you're my redeemer. God, you're my savior. Thank you for your love for me. You start saying that, you start singing that, and you begin to displace all of that junk, all of that crud that's in you, and now, all of a sudden, this innocence overtakes you. Have you ever noticed you can walk into this room and you can be filled with anxiety and frustration and, and anger and all the stuff that happened because somebody uh, cut you off in traffic or maybe your dog bit you on the way out or whatever, and you, you get here, you're frustrated, and, and you, you finally begin to worship, and then a few minutes later, it's as if that never happened. Ever wonder why that's the case? That's because you have made an act of your will to put the word of God and worship, put the word of God in you and worship coming out of you and it begins to cycle out. It begins to flush out all of the junk and now you're at this place, you're feasting on Jesus, you're feasting on his goodness and this innocence comes over you and now your heart is open wide to the word of God. That's what I want. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for us. You know, I, I have to see myself, yes, as a sinner, but saved by grace and full of the Holy Spirit. 
And when I see myself as, yes, I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by grace and full of the Holy Spirit, then what happens is I begin to feast on Jesus. I want more of him. And then my words become life-giving. So here's the big question to you. This is your self-exam question. Are your words death-producing or are they life-giving? I mean, are you using the knowledge of good and evil as a weapon? Now, let me talk frank to you. It is very likely, and I'm not trying to prophesy anything here. That's, I'm not very good at that necessarily, but I'd say it's very likely that there, things are going to get crazy over the next few weeks. Very likely. So right now, I challenge you, what are you going to, how's your mind going to work, and what are you going to be saying, and what are you going to be posting? Think about it now, because there'll be plenty of opportunity to see what looks like evil, and maybe some of it legitimately is, I don't know, but there'll be plenty of opportunity to see that. So if you see it and you inspect it and you begin to constantly call it out, are you really helping anything? Are you helping anything? Or are you just pulling other people down? Search your heart, will you? Will you search your heart today, before this week happens? Will you make the choice that you're not going to allow anger or even judgmental knowledge to motivate you in these next several days, and I would say even weeks, Are you willing to really pray like crazy, personally? Are you willing to be in the word of God and and to feast on the tree of life, feast on Jesus? Because if you do, you are going to look different than the other 90% of the people in the culture over the next few weeks, and you will stand out, and you will be a life giver. Come on, guys, I want that. I want that for you. I want that for me, because it's time that the church of Jesus Christ rise up and be the light God has called us to be. And that means we don't look like the world. Jesus said it. Don't forget, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, there's a Tim Woody version of this. Yeah, they they didn't get it into the scriptures, but it also says this. You post on social media what the heart is full of. Yeah. You do. You do. Fill yourself with the life of the word of God. Fill yourself up with the tree of life. Fill yourself up. Don't forget, your words are like a sword. And I want to just give you some very simple, simple things that you can do. Feast on Jesus. Feast on the tree of life and begin to wield your life-giving words. And reply to people relationally as a friend. Maybe they're not even a friend, but reply relationally. It's one of the things I put into practice right after I caught myself messing up this last Thursday. And, and, and as I was dealing with other individuals in the community, I decided to pr- uh, reply to them relationally as if they were just my best friend and I've known them forever. And that totally changes everything. Speak to other people the way you want them to speak to you. It really, really works. Feast on Jesus. Wield your life-giving words. And some of you need to take some time to grieve some of your losses and setbacks. This has been oh, eight, almost nine months, I don't know how many months now, of this craziness we've, we've been experiencing here in our culture. And uh, some of you have lost some things. Some of you have, have experienced loss. 
Some of you have experienced setbacks. Instead of taking it and shoving it and stuffing it down, would you just take some time to grieve it? It's okay, just grieve the loss. Stop faking it and acting like everything is okay. Because then that what you're shoving down is eventually going to come back out. So if you allow some grief to happen, you're going to be healthier. Your soul will be healthier and your mouth will follow also. Feast on Jesus. Wield your words in a life-giving way by being with other life-giving people. You know, when you spend time with people who gouge with their words, I mean, who take the, their swords and they, they gouge with their words, come on, you, you know who I'm talking about. You spend time with those, what it does is, is it causes infection in you and it infects your soul. But when was the last time you went to dinner? You spent some time with some life-giving people and you just laughed so hard you couldn't even breathe any longer. <laughs> It's one of those times where you just totally lose track of time. Some of you need that. You need that. Wield. That'll cause you to wield life-giving words. It really will. Another thing that I encourage you to do is to pursue soul health. Wield your life-giving words and pursue soul health. The way you do this is you create rhythms in your life that are God-oriented. That's where you're making time to fellowship with other people. You're making time to break bread with other people. You're making time to, pr- to pray privately. You're also praying corporately. You're in church. You're in the Word. If you set up some rhythms like that in your life, you're going to see your soul getting healthier. You're going to notice the words that are coming out of your mouth are changing. Remember, your words, you hear them all the time because you're the one saying them. So what are they? How are they reflecting what's inside? You know, I, I just made a choice several years ago that I will live in a way today that will help me thrive tomorrow. I will live in a way today that will help me thrive tomorrow. And as I thrive tomorrow, what comes out of my lips are not going to be words of destruction. What are your words like? Your words are like a sword. Wield them with a spirit of excellence. Because you get to choose whether you're going to be destructive or constructive with your words. And I want them to be constructive. I want that for you. I want you to feast on Jesus. I do. I want you to feast on the goodness of God. Today, Some of you, you you need to break a judgmental spirit in your life. You need to break a spirit of criticism because of all the thoughts that constantly swirl in your mind. Yeah, we can blame it on Adam and Eve for having partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but we have to take responsibility because we can also partake of the tree of life, which is Jesus, and it's the cross. Let me explain something else to you about this. God told Adam and Eve that if they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would surely die. That's why our bodies die. But even worse is it'll bring eternal death too. That's, that's, that's the real death. 
But he said, as long as you eat of the tree of life, you are sustained. You go on and on and on and on forever. Now I know when we think of it as, as just like with a natural scientific mind, we're like, well, how in the world would that work? Is that a magic tree? No, it's actually the tree of life. Is, is, it's Jesus. It's the cross, guys. It's the cross. Jesus was hung on a what? Tree. Jesus says, I am life. Jesus is the one who came so that you can live forever. Do you get it? He wants you to live forever. He wants you to go on and on and on. He wants to spend eternity with you. So when they put that tree up on Golgotha, Mount Calvary, and they crucified my Lord and Savior on it, and they crucified Jesus on it, what happened was, as he spilled his blood, there, that image, that is the tree of life. You say, but there's death there. Yes, the death has to happen so there can be life, and Jesus did it for you. Jesus did it for you. Today we're going to partake in communion. And before we partake, I just want you to see and understand because these elements have a purpose and a meaning. I don't ever want us in our church to do communion just like, okay, put the bread in, drink the juice, now we did our our spiritual thing. No, I want you to understand the value of it. I want you to see today that these elements of communion represent what Jesus did for you. I've been talking this whole, through this whole sermon about feasting on Jesus. And there is this imagery that's given to us. It's it's an object lesson of the bread, the body of Christ, and the blood of Jesus. It's not literally, we know that, but but we we take that and it's, it's like we are feasting on Jesus. We're saying, yes, God, I want this. I want life because in that communion, there is life, life, life to the full, life eternal. And in fact, the scriptures even tell us that, that, that some people, because they don't even understand the real value of this, that they lose their physical life, they, that people have suffered with disease and that they've even died because they didn't understand that through communion life invigorates your body you can be healed before you walk out of this room guys that is the power of the life of God that is the tree of life we're going to take communion today and I want you to see and understand it is like you're taking the tree of life and you've got to keep doing it and Jesus said do this often do this often until I return around here we do it just about once a month or so but do this until I return Jesus wants you he wants you he wants you to receive and take him in to yourself I'd love for everyone in this room just to bow your head and for just a second, lock yourself in with God. Will you do that? Just push off all the distractions around you. First of all, I've got a prayer. I've got a question for you. If Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, I want you to make that choice in this room today because I want you to partake of communion. I want you to partake of communion. If he's the Lord of your life, I want you to partake. Around here at City Life Church, we practice open communion, which means anyone who's a part of the family of God, anywhere, you can partake of communion with us. And if you're not a part of the family of God, if Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, then make the decision right now to give your sin to him. 
watch what he's going to begin to do in your life and partake of this tree of life today. That's you here this morning and you are not in relationship with the Lord. Would you just, just with me looking at you right now, would you just lift your hand for me and say, I want you to pray for me today, Pastor. I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Would you just, just lift your hand up for me so that I can see in this room. If you're at home, same thing. Just acknowledge it. You, I can't see you at home, but just acknowledge it that I want to receive Christ. Thank you. Thank you for the response. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do pray these words with me. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone who's in this room to pray these words also as an encouragement to those who are praying and giving their lives to Christ, and also even just as a reaffirmation of your faith. Pray these words. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I make the choice today to serve you. I turn from my past, and I embrace the future that you have for me. Fill me with your life. Fill me with your love. Pour your spirit into me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com discover your street today.